We need to talk about what happened at the Capitol. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. Last week was really, really bad. There's no sugarcoating this. There's no pussyfooting around it. There is no making excuses for it. And there's no use blaming Antifa or any other far-left factions for what happened at the Capitol because it's not true. What happened at the Capitol was the result of months of grifters, hucksters, and bad actors whipping up social media followers with fantastical tales of election fraud. There was Giuliani. There was Sidney Powell. There was the Kraken. There were all of these things that just got increasingly nuttier and more deranged. That's not to say that I don't believe there was election fraud. Of course there was. There's some level of election fraud in every single election. I did an entire podcast. Uh, I did an entire podcast about election fraud. I went into what I think happened. I talked a lot about that stuff. But the fact of the matter is, Sidney Powell and Giuliani and, and all the other people on the Trump legal team didn't prove it. Right? So they didn't prove it. The cases kept getting thrown out of court. The only people that were really helped in this were the people who built the Trump team, reportedly in Giuliani's case, to the tune of $20,000 per day. Like I said, I still believe that there were a lot of election irregularities. I still and will always believe that votes were stolen in the dim machine cities and swing states. Cities like Philadelphia, Detroit, Milwaukee, Atlanta. But still, the fact remains that Trump lost a healthy amount of the white vote, the white vote, particularly in the suburbs. That his increase in the minority vote just wasn't enough to even out. So in the absence of figuring out why he lost this amount of the suburbs, in the absence of hyper-targeting the focus on the machine cities and the swing states, in the absence of all of this stuff, he starts, decides to start leading his followers on wild goose chases. And Trump wasn't alone. Oh, no, by God, he was not alone. He was aided by the kind of grifters and hucksters whose entire social media personas depend on him. And I'm telling you guys, you guys really need to be careful who you follow on social media. Be careful who you're listening to on social media, because some of these people do not care about you. They do not respect you enough to tell you the truth. They are afraid to tell you anything that they don't think you want to hear, because they are afraid to lose you as a follower. They are afraid to lose you as a fan, because their platforms are not about the truth. Their platforms aren't about any kind of reality. Their platforms are about whipping you up. And making you feel angry and excited or, or, or you know, no, uh, uh, done wrongly. And these are the kinds of people that were making tweet threads about how Mike Pence could overturn the election for Trump. The kind of people who retweeted and shared every single election conspiracy theory, every doctored video, everything they possibly could to keep the myth of Trump possibly overturning the election alive. Because I'm going to tell you something. Some of these people have nothing else to say outside of Trump. They have nothing else to say. They have no ideas. They came into this game because of Trump. They rode the, the Trump train. And they rode it all the way until when things started getting crazy. And this, as we found out, was ultimately detrimental to the American people. In some ways, all of this 
stuff that happened at the Capitol, everything that's going on right now is destroying his legacy. All of the people who spent the last four years pearl clutching about tweets and, and off the cuff words were always overreacting. They were always full of shit. They were always full of it. They were always playing games for, for social media. They were always pulling stunts for cable news. They were always virtue signaling and, and pearl clutching about, oh my God, this is the demise of democracy. History was never really going to remember any of that stuff. History is, is not going to remember a few off-color tweets or a few arguments with nobody journalists that were elevated by going toe-to-toe with the leader of the free world. But what history will remember is those images on the Capitol. History will remember people scaling the Capitol, breaking in, in some cases beating police officers with the flag, stealing podiums, taking photos on desks. And this is the hypocrisy of the people that took over the Capitol, that that stormed into the Capitol. And I'm not talking about everybody in the MAGA movement. I'm not talking about everybody that was in D.C. In the words of the left, it was a mostly peaceful protest. I'm talking about the people that bloviated for months last summer about the the BLM riots and about, you know, how we have to back the blue and how we have to support the police. Going back on everything that they said that they believe in order to go attack police officers, in order to go storm the Capitol. And by the way, and this is controversial, but I'm just going to say it. I would have had more respect for the people who overtook the Capitol. I would have had more respect for them if they were serious about it. Not just, you know, drunk and, and taking pictures and taking podiums and taking photos like, ha ha ha, look at what I did. If they were serious about it, but these were unserious people, and you know they weren't serious by the fact that they took it over in the first place. And these people are going to jail. They're going to throw the book at these people. And they're going to go to prison for, I, I think that they're, they're looking for, for uh, I, I think, 10-year mandatory sentences for some of these people. They're going to throw the book at these people. And they are basically going to ruin their lives for what? For what? They're going to ruin their lives for a bunch of fucking hucksters on social media and for a bunch of people that led them down the wrong path who are not going to pay like they are paying, who are not going to spend any time in prison, who are going to take their money from all these shitty little organizations that they've started, you know, to, to, to raise money because this is what they do. They grift. They, they fundraise off of their followers. And so they're going to take that money and they're going to run onto the next grift. And they have ruined these people's lives because these people actually believed this stuff. And they believed it enough to show up for it. And they believed it enough to go take over the Capitol. And they believed it enough to basically break the law. And to go back on everything that they claimed to have believed in. Because they were led to do this by people that did not have their best interests at heart. I do believe that there are way too many people nowadays that have large platforms that don't really believe the things that they're saying. And they certainly don't give a shit about anybody that follows them. They don't give a shit about any of their listeners. They certainly don't respect their intelligence. And these are the things that that history will remember. History will remember these images. History will remember that Ashley Babbitt, a staunch supporter of President Trump and the MAGA movement, was killed in the melee. President Trump, by the way, has yet to say her name. He has yet to release a statement. He has yet to say her name. This woman literally died for the president. 
I think that she deserves to at least have him acknowledge her. History will remember the people that descended on the Capitol, not as revolutionaries, by the way. Those images weren't of revolutionaries. The, the asshole with the Viking cap on and, and the asshole with his feet up on the desk and, and the, the people that were, were taking the, uh, the podium. People are not going to remember these assholes as revolutionaries. But as angry, bitter people that were misled by those that they trusted, misled by social media personalities, misled by politicians, misled by the president of the United States, because there was never any real opportunity to overturn the election results. January 6th was supposed to be about talking about the very real election fraud that took place during the 2020 presidential election. I've said it before, and I've said it again, and I will say it a million times. There was absolutely fraud in this election. Absolutely. So January 6th was about exposing that. January 6th was about talking about election reform to review our system so that this kind of distrust in our electoral process never happens again. Instead, it became a deeply sad referendum on just how easily people are influenced and misled. And by the way, this isn't me turning on President Trump. I've sacrificed a great deal of my life when I came out in support of President Trump. I lost friends I'd known for years. I lost career opportunities. There are people that will never speak to me again because I followed my gut and my integrity and stood up and said that President Trump was doing the right things for America because he was. President Trump passed the most comprehensive criminal justice reform in a generation. President Trump guided the economy to, at one point, the best economy in the history of the world. President Trump cut bureaucratic red tape so that we could have a vaccine for the coronavirus that has devastated the American economy and cost us so many lives. It is not betraying him or anything he stood for to stand up and say that what happened at the Capitol was as wrong as any of the BLM riots that happened last summer, because wrong is wrong, period. And there is nobody on this earth that will ever stop me from saying what is right and what is wrong. And it didn't have to be like this. As Kim Strassel puts it in the Wall Street Journal, this is what she says. Mr. Trump could have reveled in the mantle of the one-term disruptor, the man the electorate sent to Washington to deliver the message that it was tired of business as usual. He could have pointed out just how successful he was in that mission by stacking his cabinet with reformers, busting convention, and overseeing policy changes that astounded and delighted even many warrior conservatives. The withdrawal from the Paris Climate Accord and the Iranian deal, the greatest tax simplification and reduction since Reagan, the largest deregulatory effort since, well, ever, three Supreme Court justices and 54 appellate court judges. Drilling in the Arctic National Wildlife Reserve, the Jerusalem Embassy, criminal justice reform, opportunity zones, he could have noted that the greatest proof of just how much Democrats in the establishment feared his mission were the five years of investigations, hysterical allegations, and deep state sabotage, which he survived. Those are her words. Here are mine. What he ultimately couldn't survive is the lore of social media with its comforting echo chambers that allow you to completely cut yourself off from any dissenting opinions. 
It's these social media echo chambers that allowed some grifters online to start different organizations that asked their followers to raise money to fight, to stop all this corruption from happening. There were rallies and there were speeches and there were bus tours, but ultimately the movement failed. Joe Biden will be president. And those people, the ones who egged people on to fight, 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 and those who spun fantastical tales and Twitter threads about Dominion voting machines being controlled by Venezuela and Pence overturning the election, they'll cash their checks and move on to the next grift. And Trump? His presidency is ending on the lowest note it could possibly end on. That's the truth, people. This presidency is not ending well because this is the note it's ending on. Instead of doing a victory lap and talking about all that he has accomplished, he's more or less in hiding and silenced, kicked off social media platforms, licking his wounds. Will there be another act for Trump? Of course there will. What everyone loves in politics is a comeback. But a word to the wise about why the conservative movement is now in the position it's in, having lost the House, the Senate, and the presidency. If we are to survive this next moment, it is not by keeping a singular focus on President Trump. It is not by spending all of our time and all of our energy and all of our resources focusing on one man. President Trump is a man. He's a politician. He's a great businessman. He's a man that did some great things, but he is a man. As Tucker Carlson asked last week, is one person really worth all of this attention? Either way, from right or left. If we are survive, if we are to survive this next moment, it is not by keeping a singular focus on President Trump. It's not by making the same mistakes we've made, chief of which is distilling all of the hopes and dreams and aspirations of the Make America Great Again movement onto a single person. Instead, we survive by looking deeply into ourselves, finding out what attracted us to this movement in the first place, being able to clearly define and articulate it, and to share that message with the world. If we cannot do this, if we cannot learn this tough lesson, if we cannot break out of our echo chambers and have the tough conversations we need to have to get through this moment, this moment may last much longer than the next few elections. We may find ourselves out in the wilderness for good. Let this moment be a lesson to all of us to be able to better articulate our ideas, to watch who we listen to and who we follow on social media. Really think about this stuff. Think about who is trying to make you think and who is trying to excite you and who is trying to rile you up. If we don't, answer these questions for ourselves, we're going to continue to be in the wilderness in this movement, this MAGA movement of of populism, of different types of people coming together 
because we have discovered love for America and we know that love of America um, isn't based on race or gender or sexual orientation or any of these other things, but it is based on the belief that America is the greatest country in the history of the world. But if we are to make it through the next moment, we have to be able to have these tough conversations. We have to be able to get real with ourselves, get real with each other, get real about our leaders, get real about some of the energy and the messages that we are putting in the world. Because if we don't, then we should just go ahead and get used to being in the wilderness because we'll never get out. Now, the Capitol riots were bad, but the way the left is racializing them is completely off-putting, completely insane, and completely incendiary. I'm going to tell you just how and why they're doing this after the break. There is a very sad and very unfortunate narrative that has come in the wake of of the riots or, or the protests or whatever you want to call what happened at the Capitol on January 6th. And this is the left taking control of this to racialize it. This is what the left does. They racialize things. Um, they make everything all about race. And this stuff comes from the top. And, and we can break it down. You guys know that I like to talk about the media and social media influencers and all of this other stuff. And I really want to break down exactly how they do this. So Biden does a speech and he basically says he's, you know, he's, of course, they're all, they're condemning everything that happened at the Capitol. They're condemning all this. They're condemning all of everything. Right. But he's basically saying Biden, if the Capitol rioters had been black, the police would have been more forceful. If this had been a BLM riot on the Capitol, then the police would have been, so much more forceful than there would have been uh, apparently just all kinds of dead bodies just littered around the Capitol because the police just hates black people so much that they're just going to, you know, kill everybody if they were black. Um, I hate this argument. I find it so absurd and so ridiculous. And for a lot of different reasons, first of all, I'm really pissed off at Joe Biden that he would say this. And I'm even more pissed off at at Obama for repeating it because Obama's smarter than this. Biden is not smarter than this. Biden is not even in his right mind. Biden is being controlled by uh, a a cabal of of, uh, of people behind him. Biden is a puppet right now. That man says whatever these people want him to say. And the people that are around Biden, this is, you know, I'm, I'm sure this is, you know, Biden's got his team. Kamala Harris has her team. They're probably, you know, plotting a way to get her into the presidency because God knows the, the country would never vote for her. But they know that to racialize this is to throw fuel on the fire, to basically just throw a gasoline can into the shitstorm that has, has happened over the past week. And they know these things. And I also wonder sometimes, I wonder, I really do wonder if they do this on purpose or if they, they are really just this silly and this stupid. Um, this is absurd. 
the Black Lives Matter protests that we've been talking a lot about. I've been doing this, uh, been doing this podcast since last August, and that was about you know around the time that all this stuff was going on. The BLM protests, cities burned to the ground. Okay, areas of cities did. Uh, Washington D.C. burned. Cities, uh, Wisconsin burned. A lot of a lot of cities burned to the ground. It caused four billion dollars in property damage. I went to Minneapolis when I had raised money to, to help the small businesses there. I, I believe that we raised about $130,000. And I went down there, um, shot some stuff, and just looked at It is out- outrageous what Minneapolis l- looks like. There is a full – there are full blocks in Minneapolis that look like Somalia or Mogadishu. Burned out, bombed out, burned to the ground. Target burned, AutoZone burned, Walmart burned out insane so on one hand to even compare these assholes storming the capital to these blm protests number one that the comparison is absolutely ridiculous there is no comparison people died in those black lives matter protests as well it caused billions of dollars in property damage and in fact these police officers that were there to kind of keep the peace in those protests some of these police officers kneeled in solidarity with these people, these police officers in New York City, the failing New York City that de Blasio has been destroying, in New York City, these police officers are, are told to stand down. They basically let people, they let New York City run amok. They let people drive cars uh, into the, the luxury stores on Fifth Avenue. And this happened in Chicago. This happened in all these different cities. So to say that if the Capitol rioters had been black, the police would have been more forceful is absurd. It is not based in any kind of reality. But this alternate universe of constant racism, constant racial fallacies, this is the universe that Obama, Biden, and Kamala Harris and all their little minions in the media, this is the universe that they're going to force us to all exist in over the next four years. And when I say all their little media minions, it's because this stuff starts at the top. And let me tell you something about the left. They are brilliant, evil geniuses because as soon as Obama and Biden says something, they are disciplined in how they promote exactly what is exactly what they want said. If Republicans and conservatives and our people, like if we had this kind of structure and discipline, we may be better off. Because as soon as Obi- as soon as Biden comes out and says if the Capitol rioters have been black, this would have been a different thing, then uh, like all the little blue check journalists and all the little blue check activists, all of them, they say one thing, and this is how they control the narrative. And this is why it always puts the right on the def- defense. And I have to go on Fox News and I have to talk about how ridiculous this is. And then, of course, I get attacked and I get called, you know, Uncle Tom and Coon and all this other stuff just by basically saying that this is just a, a fallacy. This is just ridiculous. Um, it, it doesn't make any sense. But this really is truly what we have to look forward to over the next four years. Because fundamentally, and this is why I, I became a Republican, this is why I became a conservative, their ideas don't work. And what we're going to see over the next four years is we're going to see how government intervention does not work. They just there's you know they, there's this plan because they want to help support uh, minority owned businesses and women owned small businesses and all of this stuff. Like this is going to be a governor uh, a government program that will probably be wasteful that will probably fail. Um, 
And we're going to see all of this stuff. But we're going to see bad ideas in legislation that will ultimately fail cloaked in the language of race and racism over the next four years. So that anybody who really steps up and says that it is not a a bad thing to want to help minority-owned or women-owned small businesses, but the way that you're going about it around, well, what? Oh, oh, you don't think that's right, racist? Well, if you don't like this, you're racist. Well, no, actually, I'm not because I supported uh, President Trump's platinum plan for black America, which supported African-Americans um, in, in lower-income individuals in a totally different way. That was about investing in communities so that people could help themselves. But this is what we have to look forward to for the next four years. And for all this talk about unity and healing, Obama and Biden basically racializing this, what happened on the Capitol, they have no interest in unity and healing. They are interested only in more division because the more division that can be created, and by the way, we saw this stuff during the Trump years. Trump's off-the-cuff tweets or whatever, that doesn't create division in and of itself. It has to be amplified by media and twisted and turned a couple of ways. That's that's what creates the division. And these are people that know, Obama and Biden know, that they have the entire media in the palm of their hands. And they know that anything they say will be parroted by the media. And so this is not unity and healing. This is more division. This is more division based on race. And since I was an Obama voter twice and was on the left, I didn't realize this. And I didn't realize when a lot of people were saying that he was one of the most divisive presidents in in American history because he made every single thing about race. And I'm telling you, this Biden administration, God, it is going to be among the most divisive because I'm going to tell you what. Instead of arguing about ideas, if the Trump years were about arguing about Trump, because that's all they were, because it was very hard to really talk about ideas, because everything was based on one man and and, and his whims and what he thought and what he tweeted and what he said, the conversations were always about Trump. And I've been doing this for the past four years. Like The conversations were always about Trump. And so now... The conversations are still not going to be about ideas. They're about they're going to be about race, and they're going to be about racism, and they're going to be about skin color, and they're going to be about ethnicity, and they're going to be about sexual orientation and gender identity and all of this crap that is not based on anything real. It is not based on things that can actually bring Americans together. It's not based on real solutions. To the issues that are facing the country, it is going to be all based on race because it is the laziest way that the left has to mobilize their base. They have only race. And the way that Obama and Biden have racialized this riot on the Capitol proves it. What the left also has is social media and tech censorship which they have started to crack down on. And I'm going to tell you exactly what they're doing and why it's so dangerous after the break. So the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, has been booted off of all social media. He's kicked off Twitter, Facebook, 
Instagram, Snapchat. I believe that Shopify took the Trump Organization store off. So the leader of the free world, the president of the United States, has effectively been silenced by the modes in which we use to communicate with one another in 2021. Now, there's an alternative to Twitter that had gotten a lot of play over the past couple of months called Parler. And now just, just one note about Parler. And this is why I will, I will not be on Parler. I may have an account there that I don't use. Look, guys, I will never be on Parler. And this is why. I should not have to go onto a different social media platform because I'm conservative no more than I should have to go into another social media platform because I'm black or because I'm gay or because I'm from Ohio or because I live in Florida or for any other reasons, right? And even if that was the case, even if the argument was, okay, we need to build our own because they're going to shut us down if we don't build our own, they, bought, they built their own. They built Parler and Parler got knocked off of Amazon web hosting. People are trying to literally destroy Parler. They are trying to destroy it because while I don't like Parler, um, I never use Parler. I you can really talk to different people, right? And 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 I've said this over and over again about social media echo chambers. I do not like them. This is why I don't follow. As a matter of fact, I need to clear out my follower list on Twitter because I follow too many fringy people. I also don't only like following conservatives. I like following smart liberals, and I like following smart Democrats who really have something to say about, about the, the issues that we're all facing with. I didn't like Parler because Parler is super far right, a total echo chamber where people engage in QAnon conspiracy theory bullshit. I don't want to be on Parler. I shouldn't have to be on Parler. But now, the big tech overlords, who have way too much power, by the way, have now even kicked Parler off of Amazon web hosting. As of this point right now, Parler is down. They will probably go out of business if they can't find somebody to host them. Twitter. I'm, I'm on Twitter. You guys all follow me on Twitter. Please follow me on Twitter at Rob Smith Online. God knows I need some more followers because I lost about 30,000 followers over the course of the last five days. Twitter is doing a purge. Now, they claim it's a routine audit. They claim that they are just purging people that don't have a verified name and phone number connected to the account. I assume, and the part of me that wants to believe that there is a good reason behind this, I assume it's because when faceless avatars on Twitter make credible threats, they need to have some way to track them. And I can understand that argument maybe for public safety. So I'm going to give them that. But why is it that all of the conservative and Republican accounts are losing so many followers and you get um, the Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, all of these people's following list is exploding? It doesn't make sense. It, it is not even what's going on. So, yeah, I, my following is being purged on Twitter. I, look, when it comes to Twitter specifically as a platform, I do not like it. And I do not like it because it is very. I'm a very nuanced person. You guys listen to me. I am neither, certainly not far left, but I'm not far right at all. I've claimed from the beginning of this, I've never claimed to be anything more than a center-right conservative. And Twitter, to build a following on Twitter is to go as hard I wouldn't say to the fringes, but there's no opportunity for nuance on Twitter. So I say some shit that has five sentences and I get 
uh, a couple thousand retweets and I get more followers after, after that. Who cares? Honestly. Honestly. Who gives a shit? Right? The only thing I really use Twitter for now, I'll say a couple of things from time to time, but I like to put, to put my video content on Twitter. Because through my video content and through my podcast, I can have nuance. I can say what I say when I say it, and people will understand it. Because Twitter, the opportunity for nuance is not there. But now, social media is not enough for the left, because now there are writers at CNN that are being cheerleaded, right, by people on the left that are trying to go after the people that carry Fox News. These people are obsessed, obsessed with Fox News. They are obsessed with Fox News. And it, it, look, as somebody who has done Fox News probably for about the past three years, I do segments. I'll be on, um, I'll be on Fox and Friends tomorrow morning, actually. I, I love, uh, love doing Fox and Friends. But Fox News drives liberals crazy. And when you look at Fox News, I am on Fox News. I watch Fox News. It is the most balanced news station that is out there. And I, and I say this. Completely honestly, do they have um, a, a three-hour primetime block of, of, of right-leaning opinion? Absolutely they do. But I'm, more in, I'm generally uh, in the morning side or on the day side. I'm always with some liberal. They represent multiple different points of view all the time on Fox News. Does CNN represent multiple points of view? No. Does MSNBC represent multiple points of view? Absolutely not. And, and the left is rejoicing at this stuff. But they do not understand what is happening here, and they do not understand how they are not winning. Lefties are not winning by Donald Trump being kicked off of Twitter, right? They are not winning by him being kicked off of Facebook, Instagram, or whatever. Um, a smart liberal that I like to follow is a guy named Glenn Greenwald. And it, I really, really, really recommend that you follow him. This is a very, very intelligent guy. And he is very against the corporatization of the media. Um, He is very against big tech monopolies. And this is what he says on Twitter. He said, Facebook, Google, Apple, and Amazon have more concentrated wealth and power than any in history. They have used brute force three times in three months to manipulate U.S. politics. Censoring the New York Post, as we remember with the Hunter Biden story, banning Trump and destroying Parler. And liberals are overwhelmingly supportive of this. You guys know that I don't speak in I don't speak in hyperbole and I and I try not to go too far with what I'm saying but this is literally this is the authoritarianism this is the fascism Ronald Reagan said when fascism comes to America it will be under the guise of liberalism and that is what this is and if you have any doubt that these companies are overwhelmingly liberal, overwhelmingly left-leaning. Think back to the leaders of Google basically crying on stage the, the morning after the 2016 election. So these people are way too powerful. These, these tech monopolies, Facebook, Google, Apple, Amazon, are way too powerful, have way too much power, and have way too much of a say in our electoral politics. And the lefties that are cheerleading this, that are okay for this, they don't understand that this can come for them too. And of all people, I believe it was the 
ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union, which apparently um, still has some real civil liberties lawyers. And this is from Glenn Greenwald's Twitter as well. The ACLU says, basically, uh, this is from the New York Times, Ben Wisner, a lawyer for the American Civil Liberties Union, said it was understandable that no company wanted to be associated with the, quote, repellent speech that encouraged the breaching of the Capitol, but he said Parler's situation was troubling. That was because Apple's and Google's removal of Parler from their app stores and Amazon's halting its web hosting went beyond what Twitter or Facebook do when they curtail a user's account or their posts. He said, I think we should recognize the importance of neutrality when we're talking about the infrastructure of the Internet. If there are people that still do not realize, and these people on the left, these people that call themselves liberal, they call themselves, uh, they call themselves liberals that love America, they call themselves free speech advocates, and they are cheering for this stuff. They do not know what is coming. And if we don't get some smart Democrats and some smart liberals to come together with some smart Republicans and some smart conservatives and figure out how to break these tech monopolies up because they have way too much power over our electoral process, over our elected leaders, and over the conversation that we have in this country. We will not have a republic anymore. We will not have a democracy. What we will have is tech companies that control America. And if we don't stand up against this right now, if we don't introduce legislation to break these tech monopolies up, if we don't start having a real conversation about this, we may as well call Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos and Jack Dorsey and all of these people, we may as well just call them our leaders now. Why Why elect a president? Why elect congressmen? Why elect even somebody on your local city council? Because if we don't stop this, then tech is running the show. And if you need any further proof, proof, just look at the fact that they have banned the president of the United States from their platforms. It's dangerous. And we have to do something about it. We have to lean on our politicians and our legislators to break them up because this is unacceptable. It's not about the president. It's not about you or me. This is literally about the future of this country. The founding fathers never would have thought that this would happen, but it is happening. These people have too much power, and we have to curtail it immediately before it destroys America and before our free speech is a thing of the past. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at RobSmithOnline. Special thanks to our producers, Stephen Jones, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network.